to one. Oh yeah, are you ready to truck it? I'm Dooner here with Michael Vincent, the dude. Welcome to Friday, brother. Hey, welcome to Friday. Good afternoon, everybody. A little bit chilly today, but the sun's out. It's it's pretty nice here, man. Hey, I hope everybody's got their brackets ready for uh, March Madness. Mark. Hey, I don't care who wins March Madness because we won an award. We won this ASB award right here. It hasn't arrived yet, so I've got my interim championship ASB award belt, man. It's an American Society of Business Publication Editors ASB award, and I'm going to wear this thing proudly like when Owen Hart won his Slammy Award, Michael Vincent. That's what I was going to ask you, my friend. Are you going to wear that around everywhere? You think that'll get you indoors? You think I, that'll open doors for you, my friend? I, I th- hey, cool. you, I'm going to just put like a booth out in front of Publix here in Chattanooga and be like, who wants to talk to an award-winning podcaster? You know, we'll do, <laughs> we'll do some pop-up podcasts and stuff. No, but I'm super excited. Thank you, fans, and thank you, everyone who listens to this show and supports making freight mainstream and making this broader and getting recognition by ASBs and uh Maybe the Neils, too. I know we're, we're up for something there, too. They just haven't announced winners. But maybe we'll get something in those, too, Michael Vincent. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Hey, you know what, Dooner? Congratulations to you, my friend, because you're you're towing most of the weight here, my friend, and that's no lie. You're a, you're a consummate professional, my friend, and, and you deserve it. It's awesome. Well, you've really helped level up the show since you've been here for over a year now. It's uh, It's brought a lot to it, and I think that that recognition is well-deserved for The both of us, but let's get into it. On today's episode, we're talking to Heather Zamarga about her new book, The Man's Guide to Corporate Culture. We're talking to Traveler's Tim Francis. He's going to talk about cyber threats and risk. You know, we've we've reported enough stories about those, Michael Vincent. We got a yeah, we certainly have. We got a load smarts, right? Load smarts, Filippi Capella, and he's going to be talking about growth and markets. And then we have traffics, Nick Roth, and he's going to take us on a career journey and a comeback story, but. Right now, it's time to tip the band. This episode is brought to you by Legend Transportation, which has been establishing partnerships through outstanding customer service since 2007. Learn more at newlegendinc.com. Yeah, it's headline o'clock. <laughs> oh, this is a bad story. Sorry, I'll calm down. Motive is unclear in shootings of two warehouse workers. Clarissa Hawes. By the way, life goal, like I said on the last show, you never want to end up in the reporting of Clarissa Haas. It's never a good thing. And this is another terrible story that she has here. Investigators are still trying to determine why a longtime warehouse employee fatally shot two of his coworkers at a Roundy's Wisconsin distribution center late Tuesday before he turned the gun on himself following a police chase. Michael Vincent in a news conference on Thursday, Akanuwak. Police Chief James Fister said his officers were dispatched around 10.30 p.m. on Tuesday to that Roundy's distribution center. Yeah, it's crazy. Officers located two victims, Kevin Clough, 51 of Germantown, Wisconsin, Kevin Schneider, uh, 39 of Milwaukee, who were fatally shot, uh, but found but found at different locations in the Roundy's massive 1.2 million square foot distribution center in Economowoc. Life support measures were initiated, but unsuccessful, Fister says. I mean, the, and these guys had worked there. These three gentlemen had worked together for over 20 years for um, half their life for the for the suspect here the suspect his name was Fraron Cornelius he's 41 years old of Wauwatosa Wisconsin 
was he was later pronounced dead from that self-inflicted gunshot wound early Wednesday after he crashed his vehicle following that wild police chase through Milwaukee, which is uh, around 30 miles from Roundy's facility. So he got some distance away from the cops. And as I mentioned, all three men had worked in that place. They'd been a part of Teamsters Local Union 200. Fister says at the moment, there's no motive for this incident at the time. And, you know, crazy to hear, Michael Vincent, they'd worked together for 20 years Mental health, man. It's one of the reasons I think we try to, you know, address that a little bit on this platform here. And you got to see it in America, man. You got to, you got to more mental health. We just need more mental health care. Yeah, I, I, yeah, we do need more mental health care. And I think it, 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 uh, I think it starts with understanding that it's a real issue and there's no shame in, in having issues and asking for help. And there shouldn't be any shame from people who, uh, are responding to people who need help. It's a real thing and it's a real issue. Obviously, you cannot be in your right mind and have this happen regardless. And leaders, it's up to you. Leaders, it's up to you in your industry to to, like when I talk to Andrew Silver from Molo talking about vulnerability. Now, he is he's a leader and he seems sort of like a gruff guy. And he is almost like a perfect statesman for that because he seems like that, quote unquote, man's man. But he's willing to be vulnerable than you can be, too. Right, Michael Vincent? That's what I say. One hundred percent agree. One hundred percent agree. It's it's not it doesn't make you less of a man or less of a woman to admit that you have these issues and understand this. Everybody's suspect to it or susceptible to it. Sorry. uh, And should just let's embrace it and get help. Yeah. Here's a story that's been spinning around for over a year, and it was what XBO, what they were going to do with their spinoffs. And if you remember right before the pandemic, Michael Vincent, there was talk about this happening. Then the pandemic happens and XBO sort of sat on it. But now it's come to fruition. XBO announces their logistics spinoff, and it has a name now. It's GXO. Our own Grace Sharkey, who's relatively new here at Freight Waves, too, but she's a superstar. She joined us over at the Avengers. She's uh, She says that she reports that XBO Logistics on Thursday announced, introduced its plans spinoff, which is GXO Logistics. XBO announced that it has filed a uh, confidential initial Form 10 with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission for the standalone with expectation for board approval in the second half of 2021. Yeah, it's awesome. XBO chairman and CEO Brad Jacobs says today we took an exciting step forward on our path to spinning off logistics segment. The new company is called GXO, three letters that stand for the game changing opportunities we're bringing to the table for customers, employees and shareholders with a nod to our XBO heritage. GXO will take this legacy into the future as an independent public company with countless ways to deliver logistics at full potential. Yeah. And it was in December and we reported on this show, XBO announced its intent to spin off the logistics piece to create two pure play industry leaders to focus separately on transportation and logistics. XBO has spent years investing in technology to capitalize on the growth of e-commerce and omni-channel retail, a logistics segment that is obviously in huge demand since the pandemic. But you may be saying, why the name? Now, you touched on a little bit from Bradley Jacobs and um, their chief executive officer from Europe, Malcolm Wilson, gives a little bit more context. He says, the new company's brand identity captures the qualities that make us an industry leader, our ability to deliver faster, leaner, smarter logistics for customers at lower cost using advanced automation and data science. I'm looking forward to leading our global team to many new opportunities in the future. So best of luck to XBO and GXO. I got to ask you, though, what do you think of the name? 
I like it, dude. I think I think it's awesome, and I think they're, they're going to do great. And you know, looking at the the video that they put out with this uh, was amazing stuff. I mean, it was right up our alley, dude. I mean, can you imagine getting in one of those uh, automated warehouses or showing in there and play with all those bots and stuff? It'd be awesome. Yeah, and it's a lot better than like what was in their December filing, which was like new XBO or whatever. Like was the the interim yeah. name that they were using, and I think it works. I mean, maybe standalone, it might look a little weird, but when you go e- XBO GXO, I think those. I just those acronyms kind of just they seem like they could go together and I can see it working. I can see why they picked it. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. It's really good. It's going to roll off the tongue. It's going to be one of those things like, you know, you, you, you hey, go FedEx this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. It becomes almost a verb. Yeah. And here's another story. So we're talking about all this e-commerce stuff. And this one I found really interesting was that Walmart is retooling their Dallas store into a fulfillment center. And how about this, though? Like direct to consumer fulfillment centers. We're already morphing into that with all the curbside pickup that got so popular during the pandemic. Uh, More and more shipments being sent directly from stores. So a natural progression is happening here. And Noe Mahoney reports Walmart Inc. is converting one of its Dallas stores into a market fulfillment center for online pickup orders as the retail giant seeks faster ways to serve customers. It will be Walmart's first market fulfillment center in Texas and only the third in the U.S. So still in a uh, in a pilot program situation, but we have, we'll see how this goes. We certainly will. And the aim of this new facility, which is in North Dallas at 13739 North Central Expressway, if you're wondering, is to allow customers to quicker <laughs> to customers access to general merchandise and fresh uh, groceries. I love it because I get to use the term BOPUS. Which uh, I learned from my good friend, uh, Andrew Cox. So uh, (laughs) buy online, purchase in store. The the interesting thing about this is they're talking about customers can come to that market fulfillment centers and customers can just go there and make the pickup uh, and make a pickup right there. Right. And and it's interesting because they're not going to be delivering things from this store. Yeah, you, I, you, that is the interesting part. And it's almost like using the customer to bridge that file final solution. And if you remember all that debate about what do we do about industrial space like malls and people would constantly point out, well, when you think of fulfillment centers, they're in uh, more rural areas where it's less expensive, the land and stuff. But the thinking here with these market fulfillment centers is to put them in these locations like this one here is along Highway 75, Interstate 635 and Interstate 30. So it's really built for the consumer to buy something online and and then go and pick it up, saving Walmart all of that final mile delivery cost. Pretty brilliant. And it's an obviously smart pivot for the way people are starting to shop and buy now. I agree. We, I had this conversation before with Andrew. He's, you know, he does the point of sales newsletter, which you should read along with what the truck newsletter, of course. Um, but uh, it, it, we were talking about which way is this going to go? It's still Bopus or final mile delivery? Yeah. Bopus, I think, is the bet. And so does Walmart, obviously. We got to call Tim Francis. He's enterprise cyber lead uh, right out of West Simbury, Connecticut. He works with travelers. We'll bring him up on the line in uh, just a minute here. Should be popping up. Awesome. Ring, ring, ring. Hi, Tim. Hi, how are you? Hey, what's going on? Thank you for joining Dooner and the Dude on What the Truck today. Uh, happy to be with you. Thanks for having me. Hey, I was looking into something. You are a University of Maine Black Bear, Black Bear alumni. That's also home to Stephen King, who, uh, as you know, tells a lot of scary stories in the dark. Well, Cyber Risk, another scary story, and that's your point of expertise. Can you talk a little bit about this cyber risk and what kind of risk exists for transportation companies? Michael Vincent, I will tell you, on this show, we've been covering a lot of too many stories recently. Yeah, I mean, it is it is a scary world that we're living in relative to cyber exposures. Transportation companies are no different. Um, 
any number of things can can happen. What what tends to be happening right now is 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 really one of two things. It's it's either social engineering or where people are using computers and data and they're getting in and fooling somebody at the organization into sending money out or or pay, you know paying an invoice that that the money's going to the wrong place or often it's ransomware, right? It's bad guys are getting into the system, they're encrypting computers and, and not just, you know, and virtually every system that connects and it's, it's, you know, they're, they're extorting, you know, millions of dollars often. And if you don't pay them, pay a lot of money, pay it in Bitcoin, you don't get your computers back. You can't send your freight where it needs to go. You can't track where your trucks are, any of that kind of thing. Yeah, a lot of times that your financial loss from not paying it is is less than paying that ransom is what they're betting on. And you'll just pay that stuff. Yesterday, I got a call and was told that there was nefarious activity concerning my Social Security number. And therefore, my Social Security number had been suspended along with any rights I may have with it. And I should press number one to talk to a supervisor. What I did was I didn't press number one and I hung up. How do transportation companies protect themselves against these threats? Well, that's actually perhaps number one, right? And so first and foremost is is have a culture from the top down that data security, computer security is important and train your employees on why it's important and how to avoid it, right? So that they're trained, hey, don't press number one, don't use, you know, don't make your password one, two, three, four. Um, those are really super, super basic, but if you're not starting with the basic, you, you can't help but uh, be vulnerable. Yeah. So what so what are some of the things that companies can be doing to prevent a cyber event from happening? Because they're getting attacked on a lot of fronts, aren't they? They're getting attacked in a lot of ways. And it's it's no longer, you know, the quote unquote, the the Nigerian prince uh, email that says, send me money, which you should be able to spot, you know, a mile away. These are much more sophisticated attacks, much harder to recognize as being from a bad guy as opposed to a good guy. Uh, much more likely to, you know, get into your system in ways that you're you're not protecting. And once they're in, they can move across the network and really essentially own your organization. So it's it's you know it's still though the basic blocking and tackling, having a culture as I said, making sure that you're educating employees. And, and once you get there, then it's also making sure you have the right, you know, cybersecurity. So. Often what we're suggesting is using multi-factor authentication. So having a couple of ways to come to, to, to verify that the person who is in the system is in fact a, uh, you know, an authorized user and not a bad, bad, but bad guy. So how can travelers help protect companies? Um, I mean, obviously, there's just the best practices. Some of the things have to start inside the house, right? Not opening nefarious emails, not pressing one like Michael right. Vincent did and getting his social security number stolen. What are some other ways that travelers can help other than just basic education on the fundamentals? Sure. Well, I, I mean, I'm here. You're having me on because I work for an insurance company, right? And yeah. so you can do all of those things right and still be a victim. So, so number one, right, have a, have a cyber insurance policy, right? We sell insurance policies to help protect organization, transportation companies included. Uh, it, so if they have an event, uh, there's a financial backstop that can help pay for the cost. But more than paying for the cost, it, like you would with traditional insurance, particularly with cyber, I think it's critical to have access to the group of uh, vendors and experts that we have so that if you suffer an attack, 
we can bring people in that will do the forensics, figure out how somebody got in, what did they see, what didn't they see. Um, if it's, for example, a ransomware event, there's people that we will use that will, you know, negotiate that ransom if you were able to, you know, if you had to get to that point where ransom payment was going to be considered. There's groups that we have that can do that where absent having a cyber insurance policy, I would doubt that, you know, a lot of the folks in the transportation industry would know where to turn if something like this occurred. Yeah, it's excellent stuff. Do you think that eventually this is something that could happen where uh, the insurance is is there and so that it, it encourages this to happen or how do we deter this? Yeah, no, I think I think it takes a broader solution than that. And, you know, I, I would say, regardless of, of anybody's opinion on the, on the insurance side of this, right, if, if cyber insurance didn't exist or, or went away tomorrow, uh, bad things are still going to continue to happen against, you know, transportation companies and other companies, ransomware included. So, so I don't think insurance is necessarily, uh, you know, the issue here, right? I, I do think it's increasing the level of security within organizations um, is got to be the first, you know, point of defense um, and, and raising the bar on the standards that really all companies have. It's just frankly too easy right now for threat actors to take advantage of vulnerabilities that exist. And, and so they're doing so. Tim, where would you recommend people go to get more information about cyber risk? Where should they go on travelers and what kind of resources are you providing? Sure. Well, they can go to travelers.com and then from there, uh, you know, you're, you're a couple clicks away from getting into content re- related to cyber insurance and, and cybersecurity best practices. But for all of our policyholders, uh, beyond kind of what you might normally see in a, uh, typically in a website, we provide access to best practices. We provide access to all of our, you know, cyber customers can have access to, uh, what we call a breach coach uh, security line. So they, if they have an event, they can call immediately 24 by 7, 365 into a hotline. If they have general security questions, we have partnerships with uh, cybersecurity experts that they can call and for free of charge, you know, get questions answered on kind of best practices. You know, I mentioned multi-factor authentication. If you don't know how to do that, we can put you with, in touch with people that will help you walk you through those basic steps and get it secure for you. Tim, thank you so much. We appreciate your time today. Have a have a great weekend. And um, thanks for some insight on this this problem that only seems to be growing. No problem. Have a have a great weekend. Take it easy. Well, Michael Vincent, big big problem. Uh, you never got duped by like a Nigerian prince before, have you? No, I've not. I've not succumbed to any of these uh, cyber attacks. It's it's uh, you know being a being a, a, a you know a pessimistic type of person. I never believe anything that I see yeah. or hear or, about, <laughs> or, or read. So how, how kinda, about how about you guys? How about you guys in the comments section? Uh, actually, people are showing up. We got Wayne Craig here. He says, "Hey guys, let's rock this Friday show." Good to see you, Wayne. Andrew Andrew Bounds. He says, "Happy Friday." On for the first time in a while. Well, glad to have you back, Andrew, for this award winning show. Uh, Bobby Boosie, he said, congratulations on that award. We make a great team. Sergey Burt, he says that good point. He's talking about the mental health here. He says, we try to encourage our drivers to get help when they feel it is needed. We provide over-the-road phone counseling. Uh, 
at no cost for this reason. Well, congratulations, Sergey. I'm going to give you a little cowbell for that one. Um, Andrew says drivers have it tough with so much time and nothing but their thoughts and a steering wheel. I mean, this one happened in a warehouse, what we talked about earlier. But yeah, I mean, there's issues. There can be driver issues, too. And um, Kelly Mansfield is here. She says, hello, Eric Mazzotti. And um, Aaron Zimmerman says, hey, I like the Nin shirt. Industry news with a personality. Hey, I appreciate it, dude. Um, okay, let's talk to... Our buddy out of traffics, it is Mr. Nick Roth. He is a branch director over there. Hey, Nick, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Long-time listener, first-time caller, so excited <laughs> to be here. How you doing? Where, <laughs> so, where are you sitting right now, brother? I am actually in my daughter's room, which is uh, her her uh, study place now. We're uh, finally just got our kids back in school in Michigan, so they're not remote anymore. So I got to take over our library back, so... Been uh, hunkered down in the basement for a while. Now, now, Nick, as I understand it, you are a uh, you're from a fam you're like a, a a family furniture business brat, and that's how you got your start in supply chain. Let's talk about that a little bit. How did you get the How did you get an introduction to the business, and what did you learn doing furniture, and how did that lead you into this career in supply chain? Sure, absolutely. So, my family's had uh, furniture stores in Metro Detroit for a while. And um, we got into manufacturing over, and anyone from Michigan knows that we always use the hand as our, our direction. So in the thumb of uh, Michigan, we had a factory that we worked with a lot of Amish and Mennonites. And uh, I was kind of overseeing the manufacturing, the warehousing, and the distribution to the retail stores. And um, that led into understanding the transportation side of it and uh, was doing a lot of ride sharing with uh before it was even popular with Amish. So you take them from one factory to another. And that's, uh, if they had the Uber app back then, that would have uh, ruined my business. But I was a, kind of an Amish taxi driver, if you will. Wait, what, so. hold on a second. What is that? Do you, <laughs> wait a second. When I heard that, I was like, is this like yeah. a, uh, like, oh, yeah. like O-M-I-S, like a startup name? Or is it really like Amish, like as in horse and buggy? <laughs> well, when, uh, when the horse and buggy can't get you across the state, <laughs> they allow... Uh, they allowed me to take them. So okay. they did back then. Wow. So 18 years old, I was driving a lot of Amish around the state of Michigan while we were moving furniture as well. So Well, hold on. Well, so what's the most, what's the most interesting conversation you had with an Amish person while, while, while driving them? Uh, that's a great question. So there's a, they're, they're an interesting community. Uh, the younger Amish are allowed to break away from the family, and that's called Rumspringer. Oh. Um, those are those conversations are not uh, kid friendly, but uh, very interesting how oh. a majority of them actually go right back into into the Amish lifestyle. So they uh, it's, uh, it's very uh, a very good craftsmanship and interesting community, very loyal to each other and uh, families all across the, the country that kind of spread out. And and uh, like I said the Amish the Amish taxi service was a, a thing back uh, before ride sharing was even possible. <laughs> it is awesome. So you were a taxi driver for the Amish, not an actual Amish taxi driver. Correct. Let's just be clear, right? Okay. Exactly. <laughs> I'm from Ohio. Yes. And I'm from Northeast Ohio in Wayne County, Jefferson County. Tons of Amish out there. Lots of lots of things. It was interesting to take my wife up there and have her see truck stops with you know just Buggies, tons of yeah. 30, 40 semis there, and then a horse and buggy. <laughs> tied up right Absolutely. <laughs> let's let's Absolutely. let's move on let's move on and talk some more about your supply chain journey and uh sure. and traffic yeah so uh, i've been with traffics for about two years now um 41 year old company uh we are headquartered in milton ontario but uh 
the U.S. presence is really growing. Uh, about four years ago, we opened up our Chicago office, and uh, people that I were networking through many years and friends in the business uh, started with Traffics, and I decided to jump aboard and, and be part of the ride of the exponential growth that we're seeing. So it's been a fun journey. Um, with growth comes a lot of uh, business development practices, new technologies, um, so a lot of excitement. We're bringing a lot of really talented people to the company and, and really growing from there. So, What's the 30-second elevator pitch on what Traffics does if people aren't familiar? Yeah, we're an asset light uh, third-party logistics company, probably some of the best cross-border you'll ever find. Uh, definitely heavy going to and from Canada to the U.S., and obviously our Mexican presence is, is ramping up quickly. Um, and again, our, I think a best part about the company is the talent that we're bringing in. Um, you know, we're high performance logistics and we're really getting some of the best of the best. And with that, it's a, a melting pot of talent that is uh, allowing us to grow at a rapid rate. And, you know, obviously the market's great for 3PLs right now, but it's uh, even better for us with the talent. Now, when we jumped a little too far out of traffic, sir, I want to stay on this journey a little bit because you had a little you, – you, I want you to take us on that because you have been through both operations and sales. You've been through that ringer, and I want to see how you've kind of shaped your perspective. So talk a little bit about that. You were Amish taxi driver. Then you end up at C.H. Robinson and a couple other companies. Yeah, so like most people in this business, I uh, got my journey through falling in love with my wife. So I was visiting Chicago. Uh, visiting a good friend of mine in, in uh, Labor Day weekend of 05, I met my now wife. Um, she said, like most of our conversations, um, you can move here because I'm not moving to Michigan. And uh, so I moved to Chicago, really didn't know what a 3PL was. Um, one of her best friend's husband uh, was uh, working at CH. And at the time, they only had uh, opportunities for part-time uh, night dispatchers. So I took that and I ran with it. So you had the sales experience at C.H. Robinson, and that is an enter-at-your-own-risk kind of job. It can be incredibly tough. What kind of advice would you give to people listening who are um, thinking of jumping from operations to sales or thinking of just starting a career in sales and logistics? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the best advice, and even new hires that I hire that are green to the industry are give it six months. Um, don't get discouraged. It's a grind in the beginning. Um, but also approach it as a, a networking opportunity, you know? So I, I had the privilege of meeting some of the best in the business at CH. I, they were mentors to me, still are mentors to me. And I learned from them. I, I wasn't, uh, you know, I think that was the best part of my journey of coming from operations at the entry level and seeing success people were having. And I just embraced what they were doing. I learned from, uh, and, you know, even as an old man now, you always have to be learning. Right. And I think that's, uh, the game's changed a lot. The game's changed a lot from, you know, 06 when I started to what it is now. It's There's so many different ways to network. There's so many different ways to market yourself. So always be adapting and uh, and learn from who's having success and surround yourself with the successful people in your company. Don't reach out to me, anybody. I mean, anybody that's had success in the industry, we, we love to talk about ourselves in the industry. So get a good feeling that way if it's something you want to venture into or what challenges you might face. Nice. Mike, you want to spin the wheel yeah. in your brain? Yeah, let's do that. And that was sage advice, by the way. Network and get some get some input. Um, so let's spin this wheel and go with uh, what is the scariest encounter that you have ever had with a perfect stranger? Oh, oh, oh. oh guys, I mean, I grew up in Metro Detroit. There's <laughs> been a handful oh, yeah, of those. Yeah, I should have <laughs> I should have uh, considered that yeah, in the wheel spin. So, uh, <laughs> 
at a younger, more reckless age, I would go downtown Detroit, St. Andrews Hall a lot. And uh, there was a time that somebody wanted my belongings and they walked away with them. So I would say that was probably my scariest accounting. So. Wow. wow. <laughs> Oh yeah, I drank all yeah, my money I, at. I drank all my. Probably got five bucks, but uh, still, it was pretty scary for me. I drank all my money at a bar in Boston once, and I had to walk like two miles back to Dorchester at like three in the morning in Boston. I had someone pull a gun on me, so that wasn't that wasn't yeah, fun. That's, that's <laughs> kind of get your heart pumping, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, hey Nick, how do people reach out? Uh, definitely hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, that's probably the best way for me right now. Message me. Um, you know, that's, that's the best way to reach out. I'm like I said, I'm, Sweet. I'm always up for talking shop and giving advice. So thanks, Nick. We appreciate, appreciate it. it. Have, we appreciate it. Have a thank great weekend. Again, we'd thanks. like you too. Again, we'd like to thank our friends at Legend Transportation for sponsoring today's episode. Legend partners with strategic customers while providing seamless solutions for its drivers and is West Regional's premier freight transportation company. Learn more at New Legend Inc. Dot com. And now we have the lady of the hour. And I hope I'm not getting her name wrong. It is Heather Sumar- Sumarga. <laughs> Heather, how exactly do I say your last name? Because I don't want to I don't want to um, I don't want to misstate it. You know, I'm still learning because it isn't my maiden last name. It is Spanish. So Zumaraga <laughs> is fine or Zuma for short. Sounds good. It sounds good. All right. We got H. Zuma here. She's a work environmental advisor. She's president at Zuma Global LLC, a respected business journalist for Fox Business News, Newsmax, CNBC, many others. And you also just wrote a new book about a topic that... um. It's heating up, especially here in freight. You know, it's it, it, there's been a lot of focus on on women's issues, and right here in transportation, we're not immune from that. We uh, it's it, there's not a ton of gender diversity over on our side of the world. So so happy to talk to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself in this book that you wrote. Right. Well, that's a, that's a good thing that you pointed out. I was going to ask you: Are there a lot of women in your business in your line of work? I know you have a history in supply chain management. And I'm thinking if you're speaking to people in logistics and shipping companies, at least from a physical standpoint of doing that hard labor work, you don't see a lot of women, um, you know, that now today doing that. Um, and I think I think oh, that's hold on. someone wants to say hi. Who is that next to you right now? I'm so sorry. No, I love it. I have a black lab, too. Who's your oh, dog? Awesome. Billy, go wide on this. Who's the dog? If you're a dog-loving audience, um, that was unplanned. She sometimes pushes the door open, like we're all broadcasting from home now. So it's like if you have your kids running around in the in the background, that's actually part of the book. It's in the book saying that it's unprofessional to have your kids and your dog running in the background. So I apologize no. for uh, that interrupted dogs are, interruption dogs are always welcome on the show we're actually having um some like drug sniffing canines cargo sniffing canines on on monday so this was actually a, a good pre precursor <laughs> but jump jump back I'm into sure it they're much more well behaved <laughs> well, well jump back into it i'm sorry to interrupt you i'm just uh, i'm a huge dog lover <laughs> okay good no no i was just saying that I'm assuming in your field, it is male dominated, just like in my field. Um, I've been in financial advisory services in the financial industry for over a decade. And I was the only female uh, salesperson in the whole company at AIG, um, later Sun American. I've worked with various different uh, asset management companies, which now women are having a big part um, in, in various different ways. But for for a long time, you watch the movie Wall Street, for example, it was all male dominated. And so I thought, why not write a book to help the men? There are 
a lot of books written to help women in the workplace and women succeed in this new norm and in the inclusive modern workplace, especially post-COVID as we all go back to work. But what about the men? It's like they've been forgotten about. Nobody thinks you guys need help. Oh, and they're sorely mistaken, Heather. I, I, <laughs> they're sorely mistaken. This is this is still a male-dominated industry, and it, and and obviously it has been for for a really long time. And I've got to read this book. I have not read this book because, like you said, it's so much of it is from the female perspective. How do females deal with this type of stuff? And there's us us guys running around going. Uh, what do I do now? How do I communicate with with these women and not and 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 be respectful and not be misunderstood for what I'm doing? How do I do this in this in this workplace? It's really cool. So, can you give us some insight into that and as to what this book tells us and and what we can learn from it? Right. So the men, the good guys like yourself, who I appreciate you admitting that you that you want help on these new guidelines in the workplace because. Um, 60% of men admitted, and I'm guessing it's anonymous, that they feel uncomfortable working with women one-on-one. So even if you're in an industry or a business that you're not dealing with women one-on-one, it still might be uncomfortable working with anyone as we go back to the workplace if you have been in a position to work from home for so long. And so the book is going to help men think a little bit differently. For example, if you're giving compliments to someone, you know, we don't work together. So if you want to tell me I look nice, that's fine with me. But in the workplace now, you want to keep all appearance-related comments um, to yourself. You want to make sure they're workplace accolades and, and comments on people's work projects and the tasks that they're doing, the job that they're getting done. Women, although well, I spend a lot of time doing my hair and makeup and getting ready for things, in the workplace, and if you're a good guy, again, to protect yourself, to protect your reputation, and to protect yourself from, from losing your job, it's a good idea to not compliment on anyone's appearance in the workplace. I think that's first and foremost. Um, GQ actually said the first line of defense against accidental creeping is to take the word I out of the statement. So if you say, Heather, I like your hair, um, that that can be misinterpreted or miscommunicated in the workplace. It's better to say, Heather, that looks nice if you have to make an appearance related comment, but it's better to stick to workplace accomplishments. There's so many landmines and it's, it gets so confusing. And I think that it's hard because in like right now with political correctness really being turned up, there's not a ton of distinctions that are made. The, the rules are, they keep moving. The goalposts keep shifting, especially when you're talking about like, I was just reading something today. There was on Twitter. There's this tweet. It has like 20,000 likes on it. It's this reporter saying, I mean, the tweet kind of got ratio, but the reporter was saying that even saying someone is like biologically male or biologically female is a slur. And you're like, Whoa, how do I talk to people anymore? How do I communicate? And then like, I remember when I was doing sales, I would ask, I asked my, my wife, I'm like, if I am going into a female to sell, what should I do? And she said, well, you know, just compliment something that they're wearing. So we get like, we get these kind no, of messages. You can't do that anymore. I know. <laughs> that post me to movement. No. <laughs> well, then I'll compliment your room instead. I'm going to compliment your room looks very nice. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, that's actually a good opener in terms of small talk. Compliment something on their walls or maybe you have in terms of a commonality, so it's not necessarily a compliment, but if you look around the room, if you're in someone's office, usually they have pictures of their family and friends or their dogs, or you went to the same college or fraternity, and that, that speaks to the point of small talk and bonding with different genders. Uh, the book only speaks to the Man's Guide to Corporate Culture, the differences and similarities between men and women, but there also are big 
um, issues, as you mentioned, politically uh, sensitivity and politically correctness with now race and we're, there, there are issues with um, transgender in the workplace in terms of how do we embrace that type of those those type of ideals. This is specifically with men and women. And when you're when you're engaging in small talk, safe subjects, you know, what will you be OK saying if you're in sales and you're meeting a woman? Talk about the weather, sports. Maybe she's a sports fan. Again, look on her walls. Maybe she has a golf club in the back corner. You never know um, the stock market. Traffic. Everybody loves mentioned traffic now that we're all out driving again, hopefully soon. But never, ever discuss. Think about your Thanksgiving and your Christmas holiday dinners with your family. Politics and religion are obvious ones, but crude humor and relationship drama. Just don't do it. Even if the woman wants to gossip about it, just don't participate to keep yourself safe. You know, Heather, you said accidental creeping, and that scares the heck out of me because I don't want to accidentally be a creeper. I don't want to be a creeper at all. And now that you can be one accidentally makes it makes it makes it even even worse but no, so my curiosity I, you've got a lot of different things in here uh in in your book and different ways that you could talk about these so uh, curiously is how do you how do you have that business relationship with someone you work with all the time a a, a you know a work a work person you're with all the time and a, a, you know opposite sex a, a female myself with a, with a female and not make them feel like I'm trying to distance myself to stay safe because you know, I would walk into the studio when we're in a, in a studio I have no issue talking to Dooner about hey man killer boots I love those boots those are sweet and moving on and then I go see my other person that I'm working with and it's just like Good morning. Uh, uh, you did a fine job on that email yesterday. A heck of a memo. You yeah, I mean, what, what, what do I do? How do I how do I how do I do that without looking like I just did? <laughs> well, so a few things. Um, try and be so, and I don't blame you. I appreciate your honesty. That it's a very uncomfortable world we live in, and a, a difficult line to navigate. There are no rules in black and white you know, lines, it's a very gray area you're dealing with when you're dealing in a, in a corporate landscape or any workplace, really, with women. And I think, first and foremost, um, be sincere and um, be honest. But when you're giving things like critique and, and criticism, a lot of high-profile men, I won't mention names, but right now are dominating the news and media for bullying and intimidating, mm. uh, intimidation type of behavior into Prevent that from happening. If you have to critique a woman, I think that's even harder than just as, as a man, you know, having normal everyday functions and relations with her. As a woman supervisor or manager, you want to give constructive feedback. So feedback that's supportive. For example, if I was late to the podcast, instead of saying, Heather, you were, why were you late? Which is, you know, obviously I was wrong. It's an unprofessional thing to do. But you, you, you give it in a way that's supportive by saying, Heather, I noticed um, you were late to the podcast. You missed a lot of important information. How can we get together after to make sure this doesn't happen again? And that would be in reference to maybe a meeting somebody was late to. I'm and you said it in a way that sounds like you are concerned, but at the same time, you're addressing the real problem, which was me being late to the meeting. Well, I'm glad you I'm glad you weren't late because I would have I may have said the, the first one and now you've trained me better. But Heather, so be, oh my God was in the background. I have so. two quick questions before I let you go. The first one is what if the sparks do fly at at the office? Is it day do or don't company ink or no? Is it what? 
Sparks start flying at the office. Is dating okay or never touch the no. company, Inc.? Oh, my God. <laughs> dating, no. You know what's, what's so amazing is that surveys and studies show 22% of married couples actually met in the workplace. Yeah. But I'm assuming that was like 10 or 20 years ago. Mm. Um, you know, over half of American employees actually admit dating someone in the workplace. So I may receive some pushback on this. But again, as a man, to keep yourself safe um, in this new norm, as we go back to the workplace post-COVID, your reputation really matters. I always say, don't wait until it's too late. It's not worth it. Do not romance in the workplace. If something goes wrong, which nine times out of 10, it's not going to end up in marriage. Um, if you have a jilted ex, you, you're in trouble. She or he may start rumors or... Um, you may have to be transferred to a different department. And I mean, there are all these apps now like eHarmony or Tinder. Just there are plenty of fish in a different sea or a different ocean. My best advice would be don't date anyone you work with. Okay. And before we let you, before we let you go, this is from our wheel of stupid questions. Would you rather be stuck uh-huh. on an airplane next to a person who snores all flight or on a cross country road trip with someone who never stops talking about cryptocurrency? <laughs> I would rather be stuck next to the person if I have to choose. You're saying yeah. I, I must choose one life or death by the person talking about Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. I cannot handle snoring. Thank <laughs> God I'm not a snorer and I will I'll put a washcloth over your face or something if if you're snoring. It won't it won't be good. Oh, no. Don't like snoring. No. Hey, Heather, you have been uh, you've been a pleasure um, and a, and a joy. It was so nice meeting your dog and and all of that. Where can people go find your book and maybe connect with you if they'd like? Sure. Twitter at Heather Zuma and uh, the website man's guide to corporate culture.com. Thanks. Thanks so much, Dooner and Michael. We and pre- congrats. Oh, yeah. About the award. I know. We're excited. Thank, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. OK, bye. Now, thanks, our, Heather. Our next guest is uh, Felipe Capella. He's the president and COO and co-founder of LoadSmart, which actually made me think. So with PetSmart, do you know that at PetSmart, they get really mad if you call it PetSmart. But I was looking at this name and I think it's LoadSmart, but, it could, but LoadSmart would also kind of work, wouldn't it, Felipe? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, we, we, we came up with a name seven years ago. So that the, that's the best we could do at that point in time. I like it. I like it, man. What, introduce yourself a little bit, because I was looking at your background. And man, you have done a lot of stuff. You've even won uh, your UPenn colleague said you, you were the funniest person award. You've um, you could have cooked it forward with us today. You won a first place draw as best cook. You've been most likely to appear on the cover of magazines. And you're also a multi instrumentalist. Some of these instruments I can't even pronounce. Yeah, I think uh, I think you should take all of those with a grain of salt, to be honest, uh, uh, Tim. I do all of these things, but I'm a bad uh, at all of them. <laughs> so it's kind of like multitasking. That's not real. You just do a bunch of things poorly. Is that what you're trying to Absolutely. say? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Actually, I brought up the, the instrument that you cannot pronounce the name over here. Oh, called a Brazilian cavaquinho. Oh. It's kind of a kind of a mandolin or a banjo four strings just uh just for you to Let, check it out oh man nice Can you make like that? A, it's like a ukulele type of thing are those yeah. uh, are they are they steel strings or is that with the they got the nylon strings on it yeah no steel strings steel strings oh beautiful Ooh, nice. you, hey wait you, you, you got like 30 seconds or something for us i can i can have like a five second thing maybe. okay 
beautiful. I love so give us the so give us the elevator pitch on um on LoadSmart. Okay, so LoadSmart is a is a freight broker, as you guys know, uh, uh, and we focused on helping shippers to execute freight. Right, so we have been historically focused on, on full truck load, and more recently uh, we expanded to LTL, partial, and rail as well. So if you, if you go back a few years, 2015, we were the first company to launch instant pricing, instant booking for FTL. So allowing shippers to go online, select a pair of cities, see a price immediately, and then just press book, and that's it. Right, uh, and then we created our API in 2016 to try to hook up with TMSs and allow shippers to see uh, instant rates for all their uh, truckload needs real time, right? With real time pricing, real time capacity, and then we're calling shippers and, and TMSs back in, in 2016 and saying like, we have this cool thing. We want to integrate your TMS, and they're saying like, that sounds amazing, but all the TMSs are on premise, right? It's going to cost us a million dollars to to migrate. So only in 2018, with the first enterprise shippers and the start of the migration of the TMSs to the cloud, that we were able to really integrate. And then we saw that our business really booming. Yeah, the integration to the cloud has been uh, a great move and, and a help with tech uh, everywhere, really. And, and you guys took part, part in that as well. So in February, you, you announced a year-over-year growth of 208%, which is impressive. A lot of people, I mean, it's really impressive. A lot of people saw growth. but 208%. How did you manage 208%? It's, uh, it's interesting, right? Because as I mentioned, 2018 was the year that we started to integrate really, really large enterprise accounts. And uh, 2020, uh, we saw most of the, or a large part of the TMS is migrating to the cloud. And with them, certain shippers migrated to the cloud. And then uh, last year when COVID hit, it was actually very beneficial for all, all large shippers to have this instant capacity hitting their, their system, right? So we uh, in, I don't know, Q3 last year, uh, we saw more integrations than in the whole history of LoadSmart uh, because really for, for shippers in high volatility uh, periods of time, it's very interesting to have this instant uh, instant price solution in their system. So it's it's been a challenge to, to, keep, to keep up with the demand, but I think we have done a, a decent job on, on doing so. You've been adding modes left and right. At the end of 2020, you did less than truckload, rail, partial. I think you just added flatbed a couple of weeks ago. Uh, is there any challenge in adding that many modes that quickly? Or did you actually, you just waited until the, the platform was mature enough so you knew you could integrate them with seamlessly? Yeah, I think there, there are two separate things here. On the flatbed side, we are now providing instant price for flatbed. And that has its issues because flatbed has a, a much lower volume if you compare it to dry van or, or reefer, right? So in order to, to, to build a, a robust algorithm that is more right than wrong, we needed a lot of data. And that's why we, we decided to launch Flatbed uh, just a couple of years later before uh, after we launched the, the reefer and dry van. And the multimodal with LTL, partial, and rail, uh, it was more focusing on mode optimization, right? For two specific uh, uh, issues. First, uh, uh, environment, right? So we know that around 20 to 30 percent of uh, of miles uh, in the U.S. are run empty, right? And that adds inefficiency to shippers and carriers, right? But also adds a lot of uh, CO2 emissions that should should not be there in the first place, right? So assigning the right mode of transportation for every single load 
is very, very important uh, for the environment and is also important for shippers uh, and carriers, right? Uh, a lot of times shipper, shippers plan their whole year in terms of averages, right? Hey, for this factory out of, uh, out of LA, uh, 85% of the time it's better to send out loads via truck. So just let's send all of them via truck all, the whole year. But wait, if you really analyze on a granular basis, load by load, a lot of times it's better to, to send certain loads by rail, right? But the administrative cost is so much to try to understand which are these loads and when should they send by rail, when should they send by a truckload, that the shippers are not incentivized to do that. And now with our multimodal launch, we're going to let the system make the decision, right? Analyzing based on rate, uh, uh, rail congestion rates, rail prices, uh, uh, truckload prices, which is the best mode for that specific load instantaneously and automatically. Ethan Feldman, who's in the comments, he said, Felipe, he's an absolute legend. So you have a fan club who's uh, who's followed you over here. One unfortunate thing about this show is this is like speed dating. So we're already out of time. But I'll, I'll reach out to uh, to your people and we'll get you back on here soon because I didn't even get to half of what I want to cover. But in the meantime, if people were compelled by what you were saying, they want to connect with LoadSmart, where should I send them to? LoadSmart.com is the place to be. Thank you so much for sharing that uh, that instrument with us too. We'll we'll have you back. Maybe you'll have to cook Thank something for us next time. Maybe we'll have to have you cook Thank something you. for us next time. <laughs> next time. Take take it easy, brother. Bye. It'd be like a variety show next time, right? We have cooking, comedy, and music. Well, we could have done a whole show with him easily because he's also been to 47 countries, maybe even more since he oh, last yeah. wrote his bio. I mean, we could have, like, he's like, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? We could have quizzed him on, uh, on his favorite uh, locations to visit as well. I also want to yeah, ask absolutely, him. Absolutely. I also want to ask him a bit about this. Every single mode of transportation is a complete dumpster fire. <laughs> we just, <laughs> that is awesome soundbite, my friend. Well, all right, let's get to it. Good news. Oh. All right. Hey, Michael Vincent, good news. Whoa. Good news. Your order. Your order of a dozen masks has arrived, right? You're, 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 you're throwing a wedding shower and you wanted to print out these masks for your guests. So you ordered them online. They arrived at your door. Well, bad news. You're a moron. They sent you 12 and you don't know what the word dozen means. According to the Indian Express, owner of Zeta's Vault, Zeta McRae, she runs an arts and crafts store in Minnesota. She recently got an order to make a dozen of these custom face masks for the shower, right? So McRae, she, she makes the mask. She sends the 12 masks as the, uh, as per the order with a bill for eight for $60 with each mask priced at five bucks. Well, the customer emails her back and she says, hello, I ordered a dozen custom masks from you. However, you only sent me 12. Um, I really need them all. I would like a refund and I will no longer support your business. I try to support black owned businesses, but you guys continue to rip people off. So like they even she even gets kind of racist at the end here. So not only is wow. she dumb and doesn't know what a dozen means, she's also potentially allegedly but you could construe that as being racist. Um, the owner, he offered this disgruntled person a $5 voucher, even though they're completely wrong. They're like, you know what? Sorry you feel that way. Here's $5. Well, the MIF customers, this is what they did. They wrote back and they go, I'm not interested. She said that she needed 12, not 20. And she writes, I never heard of it being listed as 12. I swear it is pronounced dubzin, like a dub, 20, whatever, though. <laughs> 
the shopkeeper says, you know, you can't win them all, but she's turned it wow. into, she's turned it into a marketing idea, and she decided to use her newly acquired knowledge of the word Dubzin to launch some offers, and she's ordering a Dubzin percent off of various items at her store. That is. <laughs> I I didn't know. I mean, okay. A dubs. So, does, do we know what dubs is? It like real or does this? I don't know. What? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> what else we got? Ever use the word dub? Oh man. So bad news, man. Listen to this. Idaho News Six reports that witness witnesses say a driver lost control of a 2004 F350 pulling a 30 foot camper. Check out these photographs, yeah. my friend. I'd have died of a heart attack in that thing. It sent it swerving into the right shoulder barrier, then sliding against the the left side quadrail. Uh, it tipped over the bridge, and then you can see it there hanging from the chain of the of the camper. So the truck is hanging there, and we're talking – it's a Malad Gorge, so it's 80 to 100 feet uh, in the air hanging there, my friend. And wow. in the truck were a man and a woman in their 60s and her two small dogs hanging precariously there. Yeah. <laughs> really bad. But here's here, here's the good news. Well, that's when truck this driver when Rob, Rob Drury drove by, right? In his semi-truck. Rob Drury comes by in his in his semi-truck, and, and he, he gets out, and he helps these people. He's driving this truck, and he gets the chains out. He's able to, uh, with other emergency people, get them hooked up to his truck and hold this thing together with the extra chains until uh, the proper equipment could get there, as you see there, and then get these people out of there. So, uh, And here's the thing. People were uh, the the couple were saved. Uh, they are safe. They had some non life threatening injuries, and the dogs are safe as well, too, my friend. Yeah, and he said something here. He said yesterday it wasn't even my day to drive the truck. They just asked me to drive that truck to go pick up a tractor in Glens Ferry, and that's one that normally just sits. And I just so happened to be in that truck. If it wouldn't have had, if it wouldn't, if it wouldn't have had, he wouldn't have been there to pick up the truck. So fate right there. It, it put him in the right position. The dogs were saved as well. The people were saved. But you're right. It was a scary situation. They were calling this couple inside of the vehicle as they were just hanging off the side. They wanted to make sure they were conscious to help aid in that rescue because it would have been a slightly different situation had they been knocked out by airbags or something. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think if I was hanging there with them, I, uh, I, I don't know. I probably passed out myself. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, good news. You quit your job at Luxury Auto Works, a place you consider to be a toxic work environment. However, you still haven't paid the $915 you're owed, Michael Vincent. The, uh, the employee here in question, he says that when he quit, his boss reacted as so. He froze and stared at me for a straight minute. Uh, he flattened, told the news network. He gets up, puts his hands on his head, walks out the door and disappears. So he's like, okay, he doesn't see him again. He leaves the company, goes about his way. Well, bad news, 500 pounds of oil-covered pennies were reportedly dumped in the driveway in the middle of the night of this employee. According to 7 News Boston, when asked about the pennies, his former boss, Andreas Walker, told the news outlet that he couldn't recall if he dumped the coins. He said he got paid, and that's all that matters. Sounds like he may have got out of uh, the right environment, man. That you know, I think he's right about that being a pretty toxic place. Yeah, <laughs> it is the, it not only was it just pennies. Yeah, they were oil covered dooner. They oil were, covered pennies. <laughs> look, do you have any recourse in a, like when someone is that petty? When when like a boss is that petty? Because he did pay for you. Although at the same time, he kind of opened himself up. To, he, well, he can't even prove it himself. He said, "I'm not sure if they if I drop the pennies. I can't remember." All right, buddy. yeah, <laughs> you're gonna get served, pal. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah, it's, it's, it looks like me like he just made 500 pounds of foiled pennies. I don't know what 500 pounds of pennies uh, is worth, but, you know, hey, might we, not be worth the time to pick them up. I don't know. 
We have a virtual event coming up. It is our 3PL Summit. It's March 24, 2021. It's, uh, it's the pros in the middle that keep fighting that keep the freight moving. What am I reading here? It's the pros in the middle that keep, that keep the freight moving. After two to three years of relative calm in the freight markets, maybe, 2020 took a hard turn. 2021's just as hard. I don't know. I feel like transportation's always been kind of messed up. We always need a 3PL summit. These things could be monthly because 3PLs, they've always got a ton of questions. It's always chaos. It's always a fire drill, Michael Vincent. And this one is going to be, this one's going to be great. I know we're going to be doing some sessions from there. We'll have some great guests. I know you're looking forward to it. We just announced our keynote speaker as well. It is going to be Anne Renke from the TIA. She's the president and CEO over there. Yeah, she's awesome. We've had her on uh, Midday Market before. She's, she's awesome. That's going to be a really good one. I am looking forward to this. And you're absolutely right. You could have one of these every month because yeah. 3PL, the industry... Up and down all the time. It's we get, crazy. We got Andrew Silver from Molo Solutions there, too. As I mentioned, uh, you talked about mental health earlier. Had a great conversation with him on Freight Waves Insiders. That's available audio only. Look it up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Look up Freight Waves Insiders. You could find that. I just did one yesterday with Chris Atkinson from... Um, Chris Atkinson from uh, Fleet Ops IO, when we were talking about AI, trucker technophobia, you know, imposter syndrome, founding a company, all those kind of things. So check out that show. It's a good one. It's a long form interviews. This show, you can find your favorite podcast player of choice. Just look up What the Truck or look up Freightcast and get, I just got a cactus in my finger. There's a cactus over here, and I was just like flailing my arms, and I just got a cactus in my finger, Michael Vincent. You can find <laughs> Freightcast as every single Freightwaves podcast all on one feed, including these virtual event sessions. Look up Freight, look up Freightcast wherever you. Ow, I'm gonna need tweezers or something wherever you get your podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Timothy Duder. That's D Double O N E R. You can find him at Vincent the Dude. Uh, reach out to our team. You want to crack down this marker? We talk about these trouble with the three PLs. We talk about. Every single mode of transportation is a complete dumpster fire. You know what you can help with that? Sonar. Go to sonar.freightwaves.com, get a demo, and find out how we crunch the market with data. That's right. Hope you all enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us in the comment section on this show that we call What the Truck. Bring your dogs, bring your friends on Monday, because we'll be back, right? You can't play me off keyboard, Dad. Not this time. Not this time. Tell them what's up, Michael. He said no. Everybody, he said no. That's a great weekend.